You're listening to Holistic Living with Hazel, where you are informed, educated, and empowered to live your best holistic life. What's up? What's up, y'all? Welcome to Holistic Living with Hazel, and happy Thursday, and happy NFL opening night. <laughs> you know what team you like uh cowboy nation that's it y'all stand up out there cowboy nation thank you all for coming in tonight thank you today that we reached our all streaming platforms um including real 1100 am iHeartRadio, spotify apple Podcasts. as you all know i am just so thankful and blessed that we are on all streaming platforms and doing really well and that voice you heard you guys that's one of, that's my co-host out there what, what's up what's, what's, up, up, what's, what's up? up and y'all get to hear him and um he'll be introduced uh formally um but you all know i don't have co-hosts i have guests I mean, I'm sorry, that's the other way around. I don't have guests, I have co-hosts. So he's rocking with me and we are going to always deliver. You all know Holistic Living is here to empower, to educate and to inform and for you to live your best holistic life. And this segment here is no different. Um, we're going to make sure that um, today... Making sure that we break the cycle of absent fathers, which is what the show is about. That's right. Um, to dig in real deep, y'all, tonight, today. Mm. So make sure that you um, are open to the information, right? That's right. Uh, make sure that you are getting empowered. Um, make sure you're sharing this information. You may not need it, but I promise you, you know somebody who does. And so today... What we are going to start off with are just a little some little stats and statistics um, to kind of bring in the show um, and kind of get that narrative to what we're going to be talking about today. And we also have a special guest coming on the show as well. Yeah, Dr. Trevor, <laughs> we got a special guest coming in on the second half of the show. Who I am very excited about. And um, so you all make sure that you stick around, which I'm sure you will, because you're going to be so engrossed in the show. You ain't going to want to leave. Even at seven o'clock, you ain't going to want to leave. <laughs> but um, you ready to start, though? Oh, like born ready. OK, born OK. Ready. All right. Come on, so talking to? Come on. we got a lot of information. So I do want to go ahead and, you know, dig on in. Okay. Um, right now, will we talk about the uh the cycle, breaking the cycle of absent fathers, there's just some statistics that um, I have been kind of researching and mm. I just kind of brought it in just to cut and paste to the mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. And again, to kind of bring the narrative together so that we can, you know, get in it. OK, Sounds good. so one of the um, statistics that and all of this is coming from the Heritage Scholars um, and they took several different types of. Uh, statistics through um, and these are 2022 so these are actually uh, current statistics right now state by state analysis by heritage scholars indicates that 10% increase in percentage of children living in single parent homes lead typically to a 17% increase in juvenile crime the rate of violent, violent teenagers crime co corresponds with the number of families abandoned by fathers 
10 facts statistics on father fatherless homes from from 2022 there are 1.8 million solo dads in the u.s statistics on absent fathers show that 7 million american dads are absent from the life of their own minor children divorce are one of the leading causes of fatherless homes when it comes to the importance of fathers, statistics can help determine how children see school and children and education i'm sorry Fathers' absence statistics show that adolescent women from fatherless homes have a higher chance of getting pregnant. According to statistics of fatherless homes, 17.4 million children live in fatherless homes as of 2022. Fatherlessness stats may be linked to higher rates of suicide in high school, in high school students. Children from single-parent homes participate in more government nutrition education programs. Fatherless homes may be linked to a lower educational level of African-American girls. And lastly, according to the Department of Justice, statistics on parents in prison show that the number of incarcerated fathers in the U.S. grew significantly, significantly in the period of 1991 to current. So but before we s explore uh, the breakdown of some of these statistics that were just read, Dr. Tremble, I would like to just have the audience um, and our listeners just hear a little bit about you and um, your current role, as well as well, we'll get to that because I know that's one of my favorite attributes uh -oh. about you. But I want to <laughs> hear, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you and the current role that you play. Sure. First of all, hey, someone, thank you for inviting me on the show. Um, for the listeners who may uh, certainly don't know this information, I met Hazel probably about 10 years ago at the premier child welfare agency here in the state of Georgia, <laughs> yes. the Division of Family and Children's Services. But uh, my name is Adi Ka C. Trimble, and um, I actually serve in the role as a deputy director for Connecting Communities and Families, which is a nonprofit organization that reaches out to uh, network with other nonprofit organizations, community-based organizations, faith-based organizations in order to strengthen the family unit. Uh, our claim to fame is and has been our reaching out to those uh, justice-impacted men and women. Mm -hmm. um, it goes through a variety of different names, such as the reentry population or justice-informed or uh, returning citizens. But these are basically, these are just individuals that have had a record, you know, whether it be a, a felony or misdemeanor, that are trying to, since we're talking about fathers, that are seeking to um, just take care of their children. Right. Um, so we have a lot of different resources. We have carpentry services and other different types of services. Our network reaches far and wide throughout the Atlanta metropolitan area in terms of housing, mental health, you know, things of that nature. But um, I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation, looking forward to the dialogue. Yes. You know, those were some, some deep statistics, you know, that you read. Um, one of the things that I would like for us to, to even maybe at some point in time during this exchange to unpack is how we approach this um, um, uh, when we talk about absent fathers and looking at our language. So uh, just real briefly, who created the word father fatherlessness? Mm. So just because a father may not be involved today, then five years, ten years, fifteen years from yes. now, that father's still living. 
he still has the potential to be involved. Right. Do we and have we coined the word uh, synonymous with that, like motherlessness? Right. You right. know, a mom may be um, possibly, you know, on drugs or not available, you know, for whatever reason. Right. But we don't. So there's the stigma already, you know, even when you hear about absentee and absent fathers. Um, so obviously I'm a, a father advocate. Yes. But and just want to, you know, bring that out and bring that to our attention. But. There shouldn't even be a word in our English language, you know, when we say the word fatherlessness. Yes, a father may be involved or not involved, right. you know, on different levels of the spectrum of involvement. Uh, however, we just still have to be careful. So I challenge our listeners, mm-hmm. you know, to retract that word in the, from the dictionary if they have been using it. Right. But um, there's so much, you know, that I, I, I well, do look forward to, to sharing. Yes. But and I, that's why I... that. Y'all, that's why he, this is why he's the guest, right? This is why he is the co-host today, right? Um, and hearing your insight just in that moment, um, I also want the listeners to know that, like you said, we met about 10 years ago. And at that time, your role was different. Um, your role yes, was. Um, was the uh, founder and the initiator of the Fatherhood Initiative, And um, that, again, for me, uh, intrigued me because those of you who know me personally, um, I am a product of a single father home, Mm. single father home. So um, when I heard, I was like, wait a minute, let me see what's going on here, because I've always had that uh, passion to, you know, about fathers and the role that they play um, and to make sure that they are in the role that they play. Right. So if you could just talk to us a little bit about that initiative and um, yeah, listen, so they can hear kind of what I was so intrigued about. Sure. Sure. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, One of the things about fatherhood is that there are several different types of programs spread throughout, although we're broadcasting here in the state of Georgia. I'm sure that it's not, you know, just uh, solely, you know, uh, specific to Georgia. So there are a lot of different fatherhood programs throughout the um, the various states, throughout the United States. The one that you're speaking of, of course, happened to uh, be underneath the auspices of the Child Welfare Agency, the Division of Family and Children's Services. But then there's also child support. The Office of Child Support has various father program, fatherhood programs. Um, many of the nonprofit organizations has a, a f- the fatherhood programs. Uh, one in particular, Families First. You know, so all of them, you know, do different things. Right. Um, one of the reasons why I founded that program, and I'm I'm very humbled to say that that program is still functioning uh, throughout the state of Georgia today, even as we speak. But I saw the need when uh, the administrators and program directors were always talking about trying to uh, allow children to uh, uh, achieve permanency, uh, safety, permanency, and well-being, right? Those, mm-hmm. those buzzwords. Yes. In other words, to try to get children out of foster care. Then um, oftentimes the, the, the case managers and the staff looked at the maternal side of the family. So they looked at the moms, the grandmoms, and there was very little efforts in terms of looking at the paternal side. Um, there were times even when, um, as the program grew, there were several fathers who were incarcerated that were still fathering. 
So they had a, had established such a tight relationship with their child's mom that they were involved in the process of, you know, the, the, the child, um, say, what extracurricular activities that the child would, you know, engage in and um, what courses they would take in high school. Uh, there was one gentleman in particular that was incarcerated for 19 years, and during the entire time he was still fathering. Um, the child would, you know, come visit as, as he could. But that pro the particular program was to strengthen not only the core family unit, but what I saw, what I saw happening is I oftentimes compare fatherhood and motherhood to a set of uh, headlights on a vehicle. Mm -hmm. uh, so in some of my previous workshops, I would just throw out a, 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 a simple question asking, you know, how many headlights are there on the car? And um, you would be amazed at some of the answers you get. You would think that, you know. You they would wouldn't say two? two. Exactly. They wouldn't say four? Wouldn't they, they? And, I would, and I would hesitate, <laughs> and I would wait for all of the answers to come in. <laughs> and uh, I've heard eight, I've heard seven, I've heard six, and I'm thinking to myself, what kind of vehicle y'all drive? <laughs> but, uh, but at any rate, um, so, yeah, so we have two. We have a pair. We have one on the, uh, on the left side, one on the right side. And a child, it's the same thing with a child. So, if, say, for example, if one of those headlights are out, you know, can you still see as the driver? Can you still mm. see um, and, and navigate through the, the road of life, you know, let's say? And, of course, you can. Mm. But if you have both lights, you right. can see even better. Right. And so it's the same thing with that child. So when you intentionally or unintentionally omit one set of headlights, you're omitting that whole network, yes. you know, of everything on that side, the, the father's sister, the father's mother, the father's grandpa, you know, that whole paternal side is just out. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair to the child who's been driven through this, you know, uh, the road of life, not to have any contact with that whole paternal side. Right. So we're not just talking about fathers but we, and father engagement. But we're talking about everything that comes with yes. that. You know, their experiences, the father's brother's experiences, his mother, the gra the grandmother, great-grandparents. Yes. Um, so I just want to challenge, even challenge the listeners, uh, especially those moms out there who, and I'm sure we'll probably talk a little bit about this, uh, who may have some uh, issues with mm -hmm. their child's father. Right. But then uh, attempt to what we call gatekeep or right. attempt to restrict you know, the father from um, being able to visit or interact with the child, then you're actually doing that child or the children a, a disservice. Right. And, you know, we know that there, as we do this show, and listeners, we all know that there are different um, situations and different things that go on in different dynamics. And so we understand that. One of the important, important things that I want to come out of this in general is that I am a big stickler on allowing society to normalize things, right? Um, just because that's the way it is today, mm -hmm. you know? Um, just because that's the way it is doesn't mean that we have to normalize it. That's right. And, I've, right. Th and I know, not think, um, and I think I'm a very good uh, judge to say this and with my experience is that we as a society, has we, we've done that. We've normalized not having the father in the home. Mm -hmm. You know, we've made it all right. We've made it all. We can do this. We can, Like you said, I love the analogy of the, head, of the headlights. Yes, we're able to see. Okay, we're going to get home, right? <laughs> but we're going to strain. Yeah, hopefully. Right. But we're going to strain. We're going to, you know, it's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to take probably different roads, you know. So 
we get it. But I that's one of the things that I want my listeners to understand is that that's one of the th- aspects that we're coming from today is that we we're not, you know, we understand that there's different situations, but we we don't want and we will stop the cycle of normalizing those those situations, right? Right, right. right. You kind of right. touched on this in your answer, but I kind of want to hear from you. What is fatherhood? Mm. <laughs> what is fatherhood? Fatherhood is, is everything. So there's several different answers that, that uh, and approaches that I can take from that. Being an, an academic and just being a student, you know, there's some uh, terms that, that researchers, you know, have, have come up with in terms of, you know, what fatherhood is and what makes fatherhood. But for, for me, fatherhood is just, is an honor, is an activity, is an engagement that's culturally based and that's community based in terms of raising a child. Oh, I love that. Okay. And, Keep going. <laughs> uh, so as an example, and there was re- just even really ironic uh, working with uh, Division of Family and Children's Services in the fatherhood program because no one asked me to do it. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, it's almost kind of like my mantras. You know, you see a need, you meet the need. Right. And, um, and nobody even questioned me. No one said, you know, well, you know, yeah, we see you heading up and, uh, and spearheading this initiative, but, you know, do you have a relationship with your own children? No one asked me that. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, maybe based on my character what, what, or what they have observed or had observed in the past, you know, maybe there was an assumption there. Uh, but for me, fatherhood has been beautiful. My uh, son and daughter, I have, so I have a son and daughter. Uh, they're grown now, and uh, I'm in their late 20s. My daughter is married. Uh, she and her husband has given me two beautiful, what I call grand princesses. Mm-hmm. Those are my grandbabies, uh, granddaughters, and uh, both of them are son and daughter, um, uh, son-in-law and my daughter are both uh, military. And um, and my son is just a, a boss. He's doing the he's doing the doggone thing. Tried to get him to go to to my alma mater, uh, Morehouse College. But he elected to go to, you know, a PWI, which is okay. He's mm-hmm. doing very well. And uh, he's actually, my son and daughter are currently working on their uh, master's um, uh, in business administration, the MBA uh, program. Uh, he works for, for Google. And not that he only does well financially, but he's just a good young man. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an excellent young man. And my daughter, I can't, you know, I she got married early, and I almost felt like I almost felt slighted because she got married right out of college. And I'm like, "No, baby, we, we need some more." T-. You know how most parents are like, "Oh no, you you know, you, as soon as you turn 18, you're getting out of here." Right. Well, that wasn't the case with me, you know. And I was blessed to be able to raise them from infancy all the way, you know, through um, until they, you know, went off to college. But so I that's why you were able to give that definition of fatherhood. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I could have did another 10, 15, maybe 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, even after they finished high school. So fatherhood is just a it's a it's a beautiful thing. It is what you make it, you know, right. like, kind of like anything else. Mm-hmm. In your years of working with fathers, um, what I'm, I'm curious of some of the reasons behind fathers being absent in the in the home. Mm, that's an interesting question, Hazel. Um, so if I recall correctly, in your statistics, you said roughly about 70 percent 
of uh, children are being raised in female-headed households. So I think that that's specific. You might not have mentioned that, but I think that is specific uh, in the black community, mm-hmm. uh, African-American communities. You know, 70% of, of children are, are being raised in, in female-headed households. But one of the myths is that, and the and the uh, is that there are, are more absentee fathers than there are fathers that are actually raising their children. Mm. So, uh, and I forget right now, forgive me what the resource is, but there are about 4.2 million uh, black fathers, and of those 4.2 million, two and a half million actually live with their children. Okay. So that's living with their children, and now we're not even talking about the ones who don't live with their children which is roughly about a million that are still engaged, that are still involved, right. you know, in their children's lives. So then you're looking at, you know, roughly about three million, and uh, out of the 4.2 million, um, you know, African American fathers uh, that may, um, you know, total. So that's that's one of the things, you know, and that goes back, of course, you know, to the language and, and everything with mm-hmm. the, the term fatherlessness that we need to uh, provide a um, a burial for. We need to have a funeral. Uh, for that term. But then um, another reason I think why fathers might not, uh, some fathers, regardless of ethnicity, may not be as involved, and there, there can be a myriad of factors, is some fathers don't know that they have children, right? you know, that are, that are out there. Uh, they may make an assumption, um, but they have not gone through, you know, of course, the process, you know, getting a DNA test, you know, what have you. Um, and then you have, as I alluded to earlier, the the um, concept of gatekeeping, mm-hmm. or mothers uh, not allowing their um, their uh, sons or daughters to actually to see their fathers. Yeah, that's a problem for me. And that's that's a <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. And then and there's a there's like I say a, a number of factors, you know. Um, and I think that this is a, this is really serious, and we can't just chop it up to being to being lazy, you know, oh, you know, they're lazy. And we can't chop it up to uh, other terms that we have heard, such as the dead be dad. Right. You know, let's, we have to bury those terms and get to the root and the crux of the issue. Um, and this is why mental health is really important, because mm-hmm. what happens when, as a child, say as a male child, and you continue to see uh, that uncle, that father, Maybe that stepfather being respectful, disrespectful, you know, to women right. or even to their own siblings and that male child taking that in. So then what message, you know, and we know what message is, does that child continue to receive, you know, over and over and over again, you know, through their mm-hmm. formative years, through their adolescence. And then so now as a young man, now we wonder, wonder, we wonder, oh, you know, I wonder why. You know, little Johnny, you know, he's grown up now, but, you know, he doesn't have any stable, you know, female relationships. Right. You know, so. Um, but Those that's generational just a, curses. That's right. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. So. Definitely. Um, like you said, there's so many reasons, so many, so many uh Things that, you know, can contribute to a father not being in a home. I, I You know, the part of the, you know, that mother keeping the father from being present um, is a biggie. You see it a lot. And, you know, that's something that, you know, and we're not speaking of the situation where maybe it's not good for the father, right, for the child to, you know, and 
whether it were drug abuse or anything, you know, those type right, of things. Right, right, right. We know but when have you, those exceptions. Yeah, yeah, we have those exceptions. But when a father wants to be there and they have to uh, find themselves in a court battle, you know, just to spend time mm-hmm. and to raise their children, right? Um you know, it's, it's disheartening. And I, I know personally so many cases like that um, where, you know, you're not looking at how it's affecting the child. Mm-hmm. You're just looking at your own, the, the own, your own personal, <laughs> your own personal views and their own personal anger, your own personal hurts and things like that. And we just got to get away from that. And that's one of the things, too, I'm hoping that the show um, in reading those statistics that the show you know, just opens up those minds that if you find yourself in that situation, um, that you will rethink what you're doing right. um, by listening to just like I said, some of these statistics, which um, you and I know they're not just numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're you know we you and I have experienced this throughout our career. We see the damage oh, yeah. that it causes when both parents are not in the home or. Both parents are not able to co-parent, to raise a child, and to uh, both give, like you said earlier, and I thought it was just wonderful. I didn't even look at it that way. But when you cut that a whole part of that, you know, the whole a parent off, you're not just cutting that one parent off. You're right. cutting everything that goes with that parent, the that's grandmother, right. the cousins, the uncles, and all of that. that that's crucial. That's right. And what, and what grandmother or grandfather— on the paternal side, wouldn't want to just hug and love on their, their right. grand, you know, their grandchild or right. their great grandchild, right? You know, so yeah. yeah. Uh, well, if we, I want to, I guess I have a question from uh, one of the listeners, and I guess I will go there with that. How can a father create an environment where he can work with the mother for the sake of the child? And if you could just expound a little bit on the legal rights because I want this listener to also know what rights he has as a father okay. in order to make that happen. Okay. I, I like the way that the, the listener posed the question because it put the responsibility on the man. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, one of the things that's lacking in, in communities and some households is men accepting and taking responsibility. Um, a lot of times men, you know, use it as a scapegoat. Well, she won't let me see the child. And then and then that's it. Mm-hmm. And they kind of, you know, wallow in self-pity, you know, telling their boys, well, you know, she ain't letting me see. So with this listener uh, or, or caller, you know, they're Or they don't want to be put on child support. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's call it like yeah, it is. We call that's it like true. it is on this show, but, okay? But the thing about that is still I think that, and um, especially minority communities, there's so many, uh, a significant number of fathers that don't take responsibility. So when we're talking about actually creating an environment, you know, for them to be able to be successful in working with the mom, uh, you you look at doing that, uh, I would say, in at least two different ways. You can do that informally mm-hmm. and you can do that formally. Mm-hmm. So you can do that informally if there has been say, very minimum to no history of drama between the mother or yes. the mother's side of the family. If if that mom is... Uh, mature. You know, some, right, someone that's mature, mm-hmm. someone that understands, you know, and doesn't just talk the language saying, you know, we're both here for the children, but they can actively be engaged and, uh, 
So, but that, so you have that informal side. And then, and then also you talk about the, one of the, the important parts about the informal side is the communication uh, with the mother and the maternal side of the family. Because, you know, one of the things, when one of the approaches that we sometimes fail to, uh, to understand is that that mother has a, a whole network you know, of other individuals, whether it be her girlfriends or whether it be, you know, the auntie or even her mother. So the, all this informal part, you know, talks about also the, 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 the uh, possibilities of an advocate, you know, for each side, from each side of the family, you know, joining in on the conversation. Mm-hmm. So then you have what you call the, the formal side, and this is what you were talking about in terms of the legal part. So with the formal side, I would say go formally if you can't do it informally and, you know, especially if there's going to be drama or there has been a history, you know, of drama, um, you know, and, and, and so then what would need to happen is fathers or mothers, because there are some non-custodial mothers that may possibly be listening. So although we're talking about fatherhood and I'm just, you know, just inserting this as a bookmark, mm-hmm. um, you know, a special shout out, you know, to those moms that are the not uh, living with their children as well, that mm-hmm. have a desire, you know, to, to also, you know, live and to raise their children. It's a smaller percentage, but we can't forget them as well. Right. Um, so you have to, you know, of course, go through the, the education part of the, of the legitimation process and what that means. And here in the state of Georgia, if a father signs the birth certificate, then that doesn't give the father any rights. You know, what that does do is is unofficially give the father the right to pay, to pay child support. Mm-hmm. Uh, he still if he's not married to the mother at the time of the child's birth, then he still has to go through what's referred to as a legitimation process. Right. So to be walked through that uh, and that's just to be able to sit at the table to talk about visitation as well as custody. Yes. He still has no rights. Um, but he does have a right to, you know, talk about custody and, and what that would look like and, and um, visitation and what that would look like. Um, the legitimation process, just depending on the courts and how backed up they might be, it can take anywhere from a couple of weeks, you know, to maybe a, a few months, you know, for them to, you know, go through the uh, the court proceedings. But that's that's where a father would, would start. If, you know, just having a simple conversation and you can't have a conversation yes. informally, then go down, you know, to the courthouse and uh, educate yourself. You know. That's the key. Educate mm-hmm. yourself. So mm-hmm. many rumors, you know, that fathers talk to one another and know that your experience is different from the next. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I remember talking to a lot of I've referred a lot of fathers to you um, through mm-hmm. that throughout the years. And one of the things that I always say is that, you know, don't don't do anything. Do not not do anything. Right. Especially when you know that your child is suffering um, for from your lack of, of presence. Right? Right, right. And I see that so much because they, you know, it always hurt. Well, they're not going to do nothing. The courts don't look like the, the you know, they're always going to condemn the, the father. And, you know, it's going to turn out bad. Like. Don't do that to yourself because you're hurting the child. You fight for your child no matter what the situation is. Because I know for a fact that when you have your things in order, right, when you're doing all those things that you need to be doing, the courts will hear you. Now, I will say back in the day, 
you you kind of saw a lot, some of that, right? The courts, you know, would kind of lean towards the mother. Right, right. But right. I know for a fact it's changed a whole lot. And if you come down there and you're you have your your paperwork, mm-hmm. you have everything that you're doing um and you are showing your attempts to have a relationship with your child, the courts are going to hear you. And so I just want hopefully. the list. Hopefully. We're still but, in the deep south. <laughs> I'm just saying. But hopefully. Dr. Trevor, don't I'll, do that. Don't no, no, do no. that. No, no, no. You want to keep it real. Let, yeah. Let's keep okay, it real. okay, okay. Let's I'm keep sure it real. there's some fathers out there that have done everything that you have articulated. Yes. And still have run into roadblocks. But do you want them to still do to still try, you still have to fight. Still fight. You still have still to fight. fight. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Don't lay down. Even if it's even if it's not easy, you yes. still have to fight. Yes. Don't ma'am. lay down. Don't lay down right. because your child literally it depends. It's life or death. Mm-hmm. It's really truly life or death for your child, and so just don't lay down. And unfortunately, you know you can't get those years back. Mm-mm. You know whether your father or mother as the child is. You know, going through and experiencing those different milestones, graduating from elementary school, middle school, you know, going out on their first day, going to the prom, you know, being there, taking those pictures. You won't be able to get those years back. So it's worth it. It's worth it to fight, to continue to fight. But I think going back to what you were saying, uh, a lot of fathers tend to to lay down or, or use excuses because that feeds their ego. Well, you know, I tried to go to court, but, you know, the lady that... You know, um, I tried to get my paper to, you know, she was mean and said she was going to lunch. (laughs) All the child support women down there got issues. (laughs) Right, right, right. And I've heard that before. I've heard that, Uh, too. They all all have attitudes. Right. You know, so I guess I won't be able to, you know, see. I'll be trying to see him. No, no, you have to continue to fight. Yes. You know, you have to continue to understand what's what's necessary and and, and know that uh, that child deserves it. But here's the second part. The second part of that is when a father gets of age, the child has become a, a young adult or actually an adult, 20s or 30s, and then the father begins to feel the regret. Yes. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Yeah. When my son, my daughter was in third, fourth grade, I should have, you know, uh, uh, continued to fight. I should have done this. I should have yeah. done that. So. Real good. Real good stuff, guys. We're going to take a break. I hope you all are enjoying this. I hope that um, we are giving you the information that you need. We're going to come back after the short break, and our special guest will be coming up. I don't want nobody Too deep. 
All right, we are back. We are back. I hope you all are enjoying the show and getting informed. We've learned a lot today. We've talked about the uh, different uh, statistics of, of fatherless, which we're going to, as Dr. Trimble said, we're going to bury that. Yes. Um, that word. We've learned also um, how we can maneuver through the court systems if you are in a situation where um, you are trying to um, have a relationship with your child and um, working on how you can create an environment for co-parenting. Um, we also have talked about the role of the father. And so we've, we've, we've gone through a lot today um, where we are discussing just again, how can we break the cycle of absent fathers? Well, father's absence, uh, the father has the statistics that show that adolescent women from fatherless homes have a higher chance of getting pregnant. So that segues us into the second half of the show where we talk about fathers and daughters. We often hear a lot of times where, you know, the father and son, father and son, even in, in, in programs. And, you know, this Dr. Tremble, when we're in courts and things, we always have that 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 boy group and we're always trying to stick that male to be in front as the male facilitator um but we often in my opinion we often don't talk too much about a father and daughter Mm -hmm. right that's true and so in keeping in the subject matter of fatherhood um our surprise guest of the show is the number one daddy of them all who raised me as a single father. Uh, uh, <laughs> so please help me welcome Mr. Clarence Henderson to the show. Uh, welcome, welcome, Mr. Henderson. Thank you so much. Uh, Hazel is indeed a pleasure to be on your show. Daddy, you always make me smile. <laughs> Daddy, thank you so much for coming in. Um, as we talked about, you know, how we have in my opinion um we've just not really talked about a lot the significant part of a father being in a daughter's life um we are going to talk about the uniqueness of a single father raising girls um daddy by this um alarming statistic that was read earlier at the top of the show about single um about absence of the fa- of the fathers being in the home and the higher rate of chance of pregnancy um in of uh, to that I just want to hear from you uh number 1 with you raising girls on your own as a single father talk to our listeners and dads about the uniqueness of raising girls Well uh Hazel based on the uh statistics that you quoted earlier uh, fathers have the opportunity to help ensure that their girls don't become a part of those statistics. Uh, and one of the unique for me was that I was raised up in the home with uh, two brothers, so there were no girls there except for my mother. So I had to learn something brand new, not just becoming a parent, but also how to deal with being a father for girls. And... Uh, I quickly learned that not to try to do it by myself because there was a need there for a, a female perspective as far as you and your sister were concerned to uh, 
help many of you uh, uh, that you can learn how to be confident and uh, to be independent, plus the additional support that uh, they provided. Uh, and I had to learn a whole different line of communication because, you know, uh, men are quick to <laughs> respond to uh, when they have a conversation. Uh, as soon as they think that they got the answer, they speak out. But I quickly learned that I was a, I was a girl you had to listen and don't look uh, for quick fixes to understand what, uh, 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 like you, what you were experiencing and letting you know that uh, <clears throat> uh, that uh, you can come to uh, your own conclusion uh, and uh, actually teaching problem solving and uh, not also be protective but not overprotective, uh, giving a chance to... Uh, um, uh, to for that child to grow, because one of the things that happens that, for example, is that uh, not, sometimes a parent may say, I don't want my child to drive, but not only did I want you and your sister to drive, but I taught you how to drive on a stick, stick shift so that you could drive any kind of car that was. So those are some of the things that uh, I learned as I processed my way through raising uh, you as, a, as my daughter. Beautiful. Why did you make the decision to raise your girls as a single father? Because, you know, hey, you, you didn't have to. Well, uh, you know, experiences in your life are some of the greatest teachers. Uh, one of the things that happened was that uh, my middle brother, uh, one of the person, guys that he went to school with, uh, his mother stayed next door to us at one point in time, and I saw that young man uh, bring his uh, children, I think it was five or six children, to his mother's house. And uh, then uh, with, with, the, with the lady who was the mother, and then leave the children there for his mother and his, uh, and the mo- with his mother and for their mother to raise. And I promised myself that I would never do anything like that. If I ever became a parent, a father, then I would make sure that I took care of my kids because it was a part of my responsibility, right. and I didn't take it lightly. And uh, that was uh, uh, it was such a beautiful thing for me to see the results of what happened uh, of uh, my raising uh, kids. And I have to say help raising because, again, like I said before, with the help of my mother and some of the uh, ladies in the, in the church, and I kept you guys very active in a lot of different things, to make sure that uh, uh, you could have that opportunity to be all you could be. So um, one of the things that fatherhood is not emphasized as much as it should be, and it should should be known how important fathers are in a child's life, especially girls, uh, and uh, it just changes the whole dynamics of that young lady uh, uh, when she has the opportunity to be with her father on a regular basis. I often remember... You know, going on dates, Daddy, you taking us on dates, letting us know that how important we are and, you know, letting us know how beautiful we are so that we didn't need the world's part of showing us and telling us because we got it at home. And coming from you, coming from that male figure was something that changed my life. Um, and I will often and I often tell men this all the time is that you are that first impression for that daughter and you are going to 
how you treat her, how they see you treating other women, um, it's paramount of how they're going to shape their life and what they think their life should should look like. And so those are the things that I just always remember and will, you know, yeah, I just I, I will always remember those those times and how important it was to me and how it shaped me even now as a woman who's almost 50 years old. Um, those things really made a difference in my life. Um, so when I see that father, that, that daughter not getting that and seeing the implications of that, it hurts me because I know what's missing. You know, it's kind of like watching a movie. You know, mm. you, you know what that daughter, what that little girl is missing in her life. Um, and so I thank you for that. And knowing that, you know, when I tell people that you raised me and by yourself, you know, like I said, with the help of um, your mother, my grandmother, they just like, oh, my God, for real, did he? And that's that that's that normalization that I'm talking about earlier in the show. And then I, I often tell them, but, you know, if you told that to my dad, my dad would probably look at you like you're crazy. I'm like, why are you so excited or like it's just this great phenomenon that I raised my children? I was supposed to. Right. right. <laughs> I was supposed to do that. So I often always tell people that, you know, you tell that to my daddy, he's going to look at you like you're crazy. As he should. As he should. Uh, Yeah, so one of the things is that, uh, and I remember this, uh, was a turning point in your life uh, when um, uh, my mother died and uh, you were so distraught, you said that you were not going to go back to school back to Central, and I uh, sit down and very uh, uh, said to you very plainly, yes, you're going back because two reasons. That's what I want you to do, and because your grandmother wants you to do that also, and it was much needed, and look at what happened. Uh, had I not encouraged you, I don't know if you would have gone back or not and would not have gotten your degree, would not have put yourself in the position you find yourself in now. So again, for that father to be an encourager, to let that uh, young lady know that she can be all that she can be and and have a chance to compete uh, with other things. Uh, you know, one of my things is that no matter what the situation, you have to learn to compete rather than compare. It's not where you mm-hmm. come from, where you're going. It's not what's behind you, in front of you. It's what's in you. And so I've tried to instill in you and your sister a can-do kind of idea that you can do it uh, and not why me, but why not me. What do you feel like are some of the sacrifices that you made um, being a single father? Hmm. Well, first of all, I had to understand I was no longer by myself. I had responsibilities that uh, I did not have before, and so I had to make sacrifices and give up some of my time that I'd had before as a single parent, uh, realizing that my time was not my own, but again, it was such a great joy to have seen something that I had become a part of, of, uh, of having such beautiful young ladies and making sure that uh, what, what overrode anything else was to make sure that, uh, um, that uh, I, I gave you all the best opportunity you could to uh, have a great life. As a matter of fact, uh, my whole life changed at that particular point in time because I was in uh, school at that time, and uh, what I did is I, I cut out all dates, uh, didn't date except on the weekend, 
I worked a um, full-time job at night and uh, went to school in the daytime and took a full load uh, because I also wanted to get myself prepared and, and, and be an example for you and your sister that uh, if I could do it at that age that I was at that time because I dropped out of school before and I went back, then it wouldn't be any, any uh, reason for you guys not to be able to do it also. And so the sacrifice was well worth it, and uh, if I had to do it over again, I would certainly do it again. I know you would, Daddy, because <laughs> you would have me. <laughs> um, Dr. Tremble, do you have a question for my dad? We have a little bit of time, so I like to kind of see the, the men kind of talk to one another. Yeah, that's good. I should have... Uh I should have, uh, and it wasn't that I, I couldn't or didn't, but um, I should have invited my daughter to, to come mm. on. It's just, um, before I go into any questions, it's just very refreshing, uh, Mr. Henderson, you know, and, and Hazel, just the exchange, you know, that you all have uh, from father to daughter. A lot of times, and you just spoken about this earlier, uh, we hear about maybe a father-daughter dance maybe once yes. a year at a, what maybe around Father's Day. Yes. You know, but then um, throughout the the various seasons, you know, is okay. You know, we got yeah. I'm taking my son to t-ball practice or taking my son to football practice, ba- basketball or baseball. You know, whatever the case may be. So just to even hear the uh, camaraderie and the the friendship, the love. You know, between uh, you and uh, and Hazel is just is just very phenomenal. I would like to ask you though, Mr. Henderson, what were some of the challenges um, that you may have experienced? Uh, you might not have even been uh, been able to share them, you know, at that time with Hazel. But what were some of the challenges uh, that you had, if you would like to share, maybe for some of the um, for some of the fathers that are out there that might be raising daughters or. Raising you and know, maybe like in my case a son and a daughter or multiple daughters that you uh, would like to share with us. One of the biggest challenges was uh, the experience that I had for myself uh, growing up uh, attending school. My mother, I, by the way, I was raised up in a two-parent home, and my father worked six days a week, wow. and my mother didn't start working a part-time job until I started school, and she was a homebody, so she took me to school the first day. And never went back again, so I was left at the mercy of what the school dictated I should do. But I made up my mind that, as I learned uh, later on, that uh, I would participate in every aspect of my children's lives. As a matter of fact, both my daughters, every one of their teachers knew who I was. Even though I was a single parent, so I would make time to go over and deal with situations I need to deal with to make sure that uh, my kids were having the best chance for success yes. and making sure that they understood uh, the discipline re- required and that they would see uh, the responsibility they would need to have uh, once they uh, um, had children. And by the way, Dr. Poe, I, I want to extend a congratulation to you for the great job. Uh, I was just listening to what Hazel was saying that you have been doing. And, uh, uh, you know, there's such a sometimes such a bad reputation for for black men uh, just to see what you're doing now. I mean, this speaks volumes, and oh, I don't you. care who the man is that's listening to this program or even to the women. There are some good men out here and will mm-hmm. do everything they possibly can to take care of their family. Yes, sir. They have taken our responsibility. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, Daddy, you ain't had no... Did you have any challenges? 
That was one of the challenges, uh, was uh, uh, making the time for me to uh, be able to go to the schools. And, uh, uh, you know, when I was in school, all activities were in the evening, but when I was raising Union Sisters, they had most of the activities during the day, so I had to make uh, set aside time to and sacrifice uh, some income I probably could have generated for myself and mm. for my family to go and do those things. And uh, some other, other challenges I had was, being a a black father, uh, uh, and you and your, I went into the the uh, urban uh, uh, schools into 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 the uh, quote unquote the hood. That's where I attended school. But we lived in the county, so uh, I remember st- distinctly one of the challenges was that uh, you had a, a situation with your uh, 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 teacher as far as chemistry chemistry was concerned, and. And she wanted to not grade you or give you an F because of some mathematical difference you had made, but she wanted to let the other kids that did not participate uh, give them passing grades. So I had to go over there and explain to her that uh, <laughs> whatever was required, that uh, that was not going to be the case. And you had to treat all the people the same way. And she said to me, uh, it was very strange, she said, but she needs a tutor. I said, well, I'll get her one. And, uh, <laughs> kind of hesitant, said, whatever I need to do, I'm going to do. Mm. Know that I'm here for my child. I'm here to make sure that she does the right thing, and I'm, but I'm also here to make sure that you do the right thing. So, being, right. being a black, black parent, it was unusual because during this time, uh, it was integration time, was un, unusual to uh, um, for uh, for them to see that kind of thing. One other thing I share also is that I even changed schools with my daughter. Uh, one of the sacrifices I had to make. Because I took her out of county school, city school, because she wasn't quite good enough to uh, participate in extracurricular activities. But she left from when I transferred her to uh, Smith High School. She became very dominant, and she her first tryout she made, and she became a cheerleader. Mm, okay. And I was good. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. So, so this is and this is where where I um uh so I'm just gonna be frank with you, uh, Mr. Henderson. When I when I think of challenges, especially uh, raising my daughter, uh, and I still get teased this day. It, it was always about that 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 hairstyle. You know how you know black girls, black women are. You know you know real particular about the about the hairstyles. I couldn't do nothing with her hair. <laughs> I, I couldn't. You know I'm calling my sister, so I you know I have a sister and, uh, asking how to put it in the ponytail, and she's trying to tell me over the phone how to put one hand over the other hand and put a rubber band around it and you know so there was some 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 times when um uh when she was younger i think maybe in elementary school and went to school with her hair looking i mean i did the hair but it didn't look like it so did you ever have any uh challenges like that oh yeah uh, oh, okay now we talking okay there we go now talk to and me talk to I me mr anderson anything with flat in the hair, as far as flat in the hair is concerned but as they got a little bit older, what I did was that they would go to the beauty shop either once every week or once every two weeks mm. to make sure the hair was done per, uh, properly by a professional. So again, to uh, uh, pay the uh, price, uh, sacrifice the money uh, to make them uh, their hair look uh, good because a, a woman's hair is a, one of her beauty spots. That's right. That's a make, crown. I couldn't do it, you know. I had to go from I I'll do it to I can get it done. There you go. There you go. There you go. I wish I had that wisdom at that time. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you all, this has been Daddy. Thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. 
I appreciate you. You know, I love you so much. I always kid on on social media when I speak of you. I will catch a case for you. I'll be in an orange jumpsuit <laughs> any too, day. And um, today I'm hoping um, that our listeners, were, as we wrap up the show, I just want to let you all know that this show was about fatherhood, but it's more importantly, it's about coming together and both sides taking responsibility of that child that was made and created. And everything that we talked about today, everything that we discussed, everything that we are, you know, um, informing you about is about at the end of the day, truly life or death of that child. And we make sure that in that process, we are thinking every day of ways that we can fight, continue to fight, as Dr. Trimble says, for our children. Um, as you heard my father talk about the sacrifices that have to be made. There's no way around it that have to be made in order to raise our children. There, we all know that in this world that there are many vices that are going to come that we don't have any control over. But what we do have control over is love, respect, and and, and family, right? We do have control over those things. And so I want to um, let you all know that we will have some resources that can be found on at Holistic Living with Hazel, such as the Father, Fatherhood Initiative, um, such as different legal um, aspects that can help you out. Because um, we had a lot of listeners that talked about, um, had questions about rights and what their rights are as far as co-parenting, as far as joint custody. So I'll have all those things on the at Holistic Living with Hazel um, website. So today... I thank you all for coming. I thank you all for showing up. I thank you all for your continued support. And we will be back here at, um, let me see. I think I'm going to have an extra show um, this month, if I'm not mistaken. But I will definitely see you back here at the first Thursday of September. Definitely. I thank you all for showing up. I thank you all for coming. And I will see you all later. Y'all take care. Be safe out there. Thank you for listening to Holistic Living with Hazel. Tune in to iHeartRadio or TheReal1100.com. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to Holistic Living Podcast with Hazel.